Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Ross Berman is here. Ross, thanks for taking time out of your morning. Thanks, Dave. It's always fun to talk to you, man. It's great to have you back. I um, mean, we're going to talk about putting the enterprise back in enterprise architecture. And you have very strong feelings about this. So what's, what's sort correct. of a high-level overview of where we're going to try to get to today? Today we're going to try to get to explaining the importance to the executives in an organization on actually focusing on enterprise architecture and not just enterprise solution architecture. And we'll okay. talk about the differences between those two. Okay, so so let's actually let's start out with the differences because that was one of the things you explained to me when we first started preparing for the interview was they're not the same thing, but people often confuse them. Right. So somewhere along the line, enterprise architects became enterprise solution architects, and they had a a very IT solution focus on their job. And enterprise architects started out in the 80s when Zachman really started talking about enterprise architecture being a more of a business position that documented the business itself. So defining the enterprise and how the enterprise works together to do everything that the company wants to do as opposed to just building a solution inside of the IT department. Okay, so I want to say this back and make sure I have this squared away because this was sort of a pivotal point for me. So the IT architect is going to work with the organization at a strategic level, and they have to understand business to make sure that the environment we create is suitable to meet the needs of the company for where they are now and where they want to be. And the solution architect is like solving some kind of particular problem. Maybe it's a software product or something like that. Something that's going to live inside this environment that the IT architect has created. Sure. Yeah, there may be like an enterprise solution for customer relationship management. Okay. And a solution architect would architect that, and it would service the entire enterprise. Okay. But that is not enterprise architecture. Enterprise architecture is the the documentation of the entire enterprise, how it works, what what timing cycles it uses, who is in it, what data it tracks, and why we're doing things. So the five W's plus how of the organization and building the strategic organizational construct and maybe even some IT strategy on how to deliver those solutions that the enterprise wants to go to market with. So if you think of in leading agile's model, define the end state, you know, is documenting the as is architecture of the enterprise and proposing a solution to adjust the organization to uh, do better. So that to be of the enterprise, but we're talking about, who's going to do what, when, how we're going to govern that, you know, how we're going to create the list of things to do um, in the define the end state process. Okay. I want to, I want to check on one thing because I think there's something that's super clear to you that I, I want to make sure everybody else catches. Um, I come into a gig and there's a system that's in play and I can see lots of areas where it could be made more efficient. Um, you're talking about, you know, timings and things like that. Like we could make this thing run better than it does. And that's okay, but we often go after that. At least when I've done projects, we've gone after that without any connection back to why. Like what does this do for the organization? How does it fit in with the entire expanse of all the things we're trying to do? And how does that change end up delivering value to the customer level? Am I in the going in the right direction? Or not? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
when I was looking at the Zockman framework, I was thinking about user stories and how it's not just build this thing, but we want to understand who wants it, why they want it, and what it does for them. You're talking about that, but applied to architectural stuff within the organization overall, and we have to see how it fits back into inside the entire universe. Right. And then how you know, how that value and how the learnings are going to consistently adjust that enterprise architecture as well. You know, if we learn something about the system and we need to add a role or take away um, a step in the, in the governance process or whatever the case is, right? Like we're going to learn those things. That's really the people architecting the enterprise that make those decisions. So you've got to have, Site, like line of sight from a very high strategic level all the way down to very, very specific detailed elements that you're capturing or working with or whatever. Exactly. As I understand it, but not be in the day-to-day of doing all those things. You should be sitting up at that strategic into operational kind of planning mindset if you're okay. familiar with like military planning. So not the tactics and day-to-day, you know, how many bullets are going here, how many beams are going there, but understanding, you know, where beams and bullets may need to go if XYZ operation kicks off. Okay. And then how that, you know, impacts the strategy of securing a specific, you know, part of the world. If we're talking about like United States strategy, as generally as I can. (laughs) So, well, no, so, I mean, what the, the reason that I wanted to ask is because it seems like a really big ask for somebody to have stuff at that strategic level all the way down to like this field in this database. I mean, nobody could have all of that in their head. You're going right. to have And it shouldn't be in your head, right? It should totally be written down somewhere. But the cool thing is, is that there's, you know, been advancements in technology where, um, you know, modeling can, perform some of that strategic and operational level. And then when you get into the tactics and execution, uh, you know, that's kind of where your um, DevOps tooling and stuff like that that comes in. So you still have a data driven way to capture that information and track it and be able to call it without having to have it in your head. Okay. So if somebody's listening to this and they're trying to figure out how to determine whether or not, they have this traceability or there's a disconnect. Like what, how, what kind of evidence would they see that would let them know, oh, this is the thing they were talking about. We don't have this. Yeah, you would have like uh, extreme consistency across all parts of your organization that deliver something because everything would be so consistent and well documented from a you know systems perspective of delivery that you would just kind of know what you're doing all the time and there would be no confusion Um, or there'd be no like, Oh, well that project just goes off and does whatever the heck it wants. And you know, this one, we don't get X, Y, Z. So like every, every product would kind of be delivered the same way. Okay. So that's if they, if they do have it, if they don't, then you're going to have some of these special, you know, black ops projects going on, the secret projects that nobody tells anybody about. Or I'm assuming there could be documentation that's just not kept up to date. Because once you create yeah. it, you've got to maintain it, right? Right. Or, you know, you could have multiple organizations that deliver product inside of your enterprise that are doing it differently. Like each product delivery 
structure could have a completely different way to do something, which may or may not be bad, but it's usually a sign that there's not an enterprise level strategy on how to deliver. Okay. So so we're looking for, I mean, symptoms of dysfunction would be the black ops projects, the out-of-date documentation, inconsistencies in how we deliver. What we're trying to get to is one uniform way of using the delivery engine to produce stuff we can ship. Like there's one way that we do this across the enterprise because the system is structured to allow for that. Right. And it may not be extremely rigid, but there's not going to be a ton of difference. Right. And also another way is your employees won't be confused on what they're doing. Like they'll have, you know, very, um, very clear role definitions and very clear expectations of what their outputs day to day are. Um, so if you have people who complain about not understanding or, um, if you have middle management, like nobody knows what to do around here. Um, it's typically the, the sign that the, there's no real enterprise architecture that the enterprise is using to drive forward. It's almost like having a, a house with, um, you know, all different types of electrical outlets running through it, like two twenties and one tens. And you never know where, you know, they all look the same. So you don't know where you're supposed to plug in something that takes 220 versus 110, which yeah. is usually why everybody has a standard uh, framework for what those outlets serve up. You know, like in the U.S., it's all 110, yeah. except for wherever your dryer is plugged in, that'll be 220. But it has like the weirdest plug ever, so you can't jam your, you know, <laughs> Xbox plug in there. Right. But right. um, you know, if it was all the, if they all looked the same, but you never, you didn't know how many amps and watts and volts were going through each one, you would short out all your electronics that didn't have a built-in converter. So okay. it's like having this chaos where it's unknown where the chaos is going to strike because you know every project kind of looks the same and it has the same SDLC artifacts maybe, but there's like, you know, one project manager, like you could be a project manager doing it one way and I could be a project manager doing it a completely different way. Cause there's no actual structure other than the work products that are, that are required in the SDLC. Okay. All right. So I want to try to play devil's advocate for a second, because I'm one of the things I'm trying to get to is a place where somebody could like, look and see, do I have this stuff or how do I make sure I get it? And you've talked about documentation, you've talked about role definition and the project manager part of my brain is hearing like, oh, this is all stuff we can go stick the PMO on and make sure that we've got like racy charts and capturing all the documentation. And then we'll be able to say, oh, we're totally agile because we have all this documentation and role definition, which seems completely at odds with what we would say agile is. Right. The difference is, is that, and we talked about this last time, you know, Typically, the SDLC values the documents over the product, and this is talking about creating the system of delivery from an enterprise architecture perspective that will cover all the bases to deliver that valuable product. And so the example of project management, you know, having all the documents but doing it different ways kind of goes against what, you know, we're trying to do from a system of delivery perspective, which is create a standardized way that we deliver products that can be used across all different places. So it doesn't matter, you know, what experience I have as a product manager or a project manager or an enterprise architect. When I get into that system of delivery, I know what my role in that system of delivery is. And I produce the 
required outputs to keep the flow of value going through the system, as opposed to just checking boxes on delivering documentation. So for the, I want to say the role thing back. So instead of saying like, here's the box that you live in, this is the boundaries of your job. Here's what the system expects and needs of you in order to keep running. Right. Okay. Exactly. This is the role. These are the products that this role needs to produce. I don't care if it's documents or data or code or whatever, you know, this is what you do. This is the team that you sit on, whether it's, you know, a delivery team or a product management team or a portfolio management team or an investment management team, you're going to have a role and products that you need to produce. And that will integrate with the data we need to track, the business processes that we have in our organization, the timing of cycle time as far as when we're supposed to have those processes complete, the networks of distribution that our value is going to flow over. So if you think of you know, the investment tier, and then there's some kind of tool or some kind of network that goes in the portfolio tier that provides them with what they need to do the work. Like we are going to know exactly how to do that. So when is the investment tier portfolio tier, you know, sync up meeting to provide that information. And then also the why, what strategic goal of the company does this link to? And this is a great way if we have this structure that we can start looking at things. If there's not a direct or indirect link to a why, then why are we doing it? That means it's probably somebody doing something because they feel like it or we've always done it, but it doesn't actually have value. So you can really start looking at continuous improvement this way, where if it doesn't link to the why in in the enterprise architecture model, which is the documentation of where the company wants to go and how they're going to do it, then, then we shouldn't be doing that step or that process or that document or whatever that is, right? So we can look at starting to wean things out as well. Um, does that answer the question? I think so. It's one of the things that's occurring to me is it's sort of like, I guess in the older model that I have in my head of a company, we create a company that exists to create a product and the execution and shipment and delivery of all that stuff, that's like the feet of the product, of the company. But we're talking about a company that is entirely structured around this delivery engine. I mean, there's a strategy part, but it has to be in sync with and totally support the delivery engine. So all the choices we make at the strategic level, I'm assuming have to be done with the idea that we have to support and enable and tune up this delivery mechanism. This, Yeah. Yeah. And, and forgive me, Dave, project management is one of the B's I got at school. Um, it always frustrated me, but so, so bear with me, but there was like this pyramid in the project management class and it was like corporate strategy, organizational strategy, it strategy. Right. Okay. And then basically what it was saying is you have to have all three of those types of strategies to be successful. And what I'm saying is, is that anything in the organizational strategy or the people and how the system of delivery is structured yeah. and anything in the IT strategy, which would be the tools and technology needed to support that. If they don't link to something in that corporate strategy, then, then there's no reason to do it. Yeah. So okay. if you think of companies that we go into that are structured functionally, so you have like sales team, marketing team, you know, product team, delivery team, you know, when I say delivery, I'm talking like, software engineering group, right. you know, software operations group, they're all based on what those people are doing. They're not structured to deliver a product. 
right. they're structured to deliver a function in a horizontal way. So like once sales yeah, or once path. marketing gets right, if marketing gets some leads, then sales can do some sales. If sales does some sales, then we're gonna have to engineer some software. Once we finish engineering software, it's gonna have to get hosted somewhere, right? So we're still we built this organizational construct over time based on functions that we didn't have or stuff that wasn't happening. Like one of my customers built a release management team because project managers were failing to be able to release the code. Right. Like if you think of a project management function, their whole job is everything end to end in a project, right? Project a set amount of time and set scope and they own everything. They're accountable or responsible to drive everything through that time and scope. But they were running out of time and they were late, you know, for thousands of reasons, not because they were bad project managers, but then, so instead of saying, okay, project manager, we need to help you or do this or do that to do those things. They're like, we're going to create a new group of project managers and we're just going to call them release managers. And so once software is developed, they're going to take that project on to get it released. Yeah. So they, they cut the scope in half and they created a new name for project management but it was a different type of project. It was delivered software to software in production, as opposed to idea to working software. So let me, I want to strange. No, well, I want to say it back. Cause I think there's, I've seen lots of examples of something parallel to this. So in the organization, let's say it's a software package. We can't get stuff delivered because we've got 50 projects going on at once and nothing ever actually ships. So I am some upstart guy in my department. I'm going to start to hire my own developers. We're going to build this stuff and ship it on our own. So now we have this like shadow group running. I've got my own programmers. I've got my own thing. And that is a fix for the broken delivery mechanism of the larger company. And you're talking about on top of that, now I'm going to have project managers who are releasing my stuff, which is a fix also. So instead of continuing to patch and band-aid and kind of cobble together stuff on the outside of this, you're talking about restructuring it and fixing it at its core so that we don't have to have all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we we may have to have release managers. Like, I don't know. That might be part of something that we need, but, and I'm just using it as an example of, we had this function that was getting overloaded and couldn't deliver. So instead of figuring out why they couldn't deliver and fixing those problems, we created a new function to do the rest of the work. Yeah. So we saw a pattern, like we can do all the work up to this point, but once we hit the point of taking that code and getting it in production, we fail. So let's create a function to do that. And and then how does that trace back up to the strategy? And it's kind of easy sometimes to pin types of, of roles to strategy because you're like, oh, we have to release software. But if you look at the release manager's job description and the project manager's job description at most places, they're almost identical. Okay. And it's it's like you know, we created multiple PMOs and we created a horizontal handoff between the delivery of code PMO and the release to production PMO. If we had built the system of delivery and the organizational construct and the IT strategy, the tooling that those people in the organization use to deliver the software adequately, um, and we put it into a place of continuous improvement around refining the system as opposed to, you know, trying to 
reorg all the time we have a problem, but refine the system that we have and continuously learn from it, we would we wouldn't have to stand up, you know, new roles. We would be able to fix whatever the problem in the system was. And it could be a process, it could be a tool problem, but we can do quick analysis on that. And you know, very well we may need a role, right? Like there may be, oh, we thought we could make enough money doing Apple uh mobile apps, but we need an Android developer. Okay. You know, that's a different case, right? But that'll link back up to some kind of revenue growth or market growth. Why in the corporate strategy? Okay. So the thing that I wanted to ask about about next is like, who's going to do this? Like, you're going to have to have a, a person or a group of people who who maintain this level of oversight and are watching to make sure that what we're doing downstream is being supported by what's happening upstream. Yeah. And I think it's a combination of two things. So I think first it's the, the system of transformation or the team that, you know, is going to work inside of an organization to create the vertical slices of the organization to deliver a product. So if you think of leading agile ATO model inside of the system of transformation, the transformation leadership team and the executive steering committee, like that group of people, there's going to need to be an enterprise architect or a few of them in there helping them make those decisions so that when a group says, Hey, we want to transform from our waterfall or, you know, our new agile process that failed into this agile process that's successful, that the enterprise architect can take a look at what they're doing, how they fit into the strategy, help design that organization specifically to solve the, the problem, you know, inside of the system of delivery, like, you know, one team may need a hardware architect where another team doesn't have any hardware, so they don't need a hardware architect, right? So making those types of decisions. Okay. So defining the roles and responsibilities inside of each expedition so that it's going to meet the system of delivery and produce the same type of product in the same type of way, but also customizing it to specific needs inside of that group, right? So that Android developer, like we may have a a need for that and we don't have those. So we need to fill that gap. So doing that. And then also inside of the system of delivery itself and that investment tier, helping the, you know, VP layers, SVP layer make decisions on where budget's going to go. Because if you think about how we're going to staff an organization and what tools we're going to use to deliver, um, so that organizational strategy and IT strategy underneath the corporate strategy, those types of investment decisions need to be made in a way that's going to be congruent with delivering against the whys of the organization. So the business folks inside of the investments here will understand the whys, right? Because they're drivers and what the approach to the overall strategy that the C-suite's putting out is. So they're the ones who start to build the operational plans and talk about how we're going to use different budgets to do different things, but the enterprise architect needs to be in there with them, helping them understand how that links into the overarching system, how that links into other investment groups and other portfolios inside of that investment group. And so that we're covering all the bases from a, you know, five W's plus how to effectively deliver that solution, whatever it is inside of that portfolio. I want to try to highlight that, as well, and I'm going to come back to it in a second, but can you really quickly, if folks aren't clear on what ATO is, can you explain that? Yeah, it's the Agile Transformation Office. 
Okay. So this is the part of the company that's going to be helping the organization figure out how to adapt and support. Yeah, so they'll, uh, they'll be the ones kind of managing the transformation after Leading Agile walks away, right? So our model is to set them up for success to go forward and, and not have them rely on Leading Agile forever. Okay. And part of what, how we do that is we create the Agile Transformation Office and there's clients and Leading Agile people in there at first and then it's all client run. They start staffing their own coaches and kind of grow their own transformation their own, yeah. from there. Okay. So yeah. the, the, the point I wanted to highlight was you, what you just mentioned a few minutes ago is if, if decisions are made um, at the strategic level, what, what I've seen a lot in the past is there's some decision that's made and then it's just fed down to IT. Like, here, go make this thing happen because this is our company's strategy. You're talking about them now making decisions with IT and implementation and delivery in mind. So sort of a yeah. more holistic, mindful approach to making decisions for the company. And for that to happen, we've got to have this person um, sitting in, at the top investment level who has awareness of and, and line of sight into all the stuff that's happening down in the field. Yeah, and I would be upset with myself, and I think John Zockman would be upset with me too if I didn't say that enterprise architects are not an IT function. They have IT experience, but it's really a business function, right? So if you look at that investment tier in our four-tiered model with Leading Agile, we're not making IT decisions. We're making decisions on how we're going to spend budget to meet our corporate strategy, right? So that enterprise architect that sits there is not a necessarily an IT person. Having an IT background is typically where enterprise architects come from, but it's not necessary. Like when I got certified as an enterprise architect seven years ago, I think I was the only person who wasn't a developer. So what's your background class. then? I was a system engineer, but I, I didn't, I wasn't like a hands-on, I wasn't a C-sharp programmer. I did okay. some HTML and JavaScript, but I did cost integrations. So okay. coding wasn't really something I did. And okay. I architected business process solutions. So using, you know, tools where I could build workflows and such. I could read code. I could write a little bit. It's embarrassing um, reading my code next to a developer who knows what they're doing. But everybody else was, you know, 10, 15 years as a developer. But, but it's important, I think, to, to kind of spend a moment on this because if organizations are trying to find it or identify this person, it's not just go to the software architects. It's go to the business process people as well because even if they don't have you know, a deep technical background, they'll understand enough about how these systems tie together and have to be connected to be able to make, maybe make the right decisions for the organization. Yeah, and I, I think like in an organization, I would not be the best solution architect, right? Because my understanding of a solution and the inner workings of the code is going to be lower than somebody who came up in that developer, you know, that developer background, but somebody like me who has enough technical knowledge to get by, but understands processes, lean, you know, agile, even, you know, pinbox stuff, understand how all that works and can figure out a best, the best way to do that. And then yeah. identify tools that'll serve the best way to do whatever the organization wants to do inside okay. of that process is super valuable. And not to say that enterprise architects with a developer background can't do that as well. Like there's a ton of people who can, right. But 
I think that the proclivity to become that solution architect yeah. instead of the enterprise architect is because the code's more comfortable. Where, in my experience, the business is more comfortable. So I don't get into the weeds of the code. I get into the <laughs> weeds of the business, right? Okay. Okay. So if I'm, I'm going to make sure to include a link to to the Zachman model stuff in, in the show notes. Is there other information you think people should be studying up on to try to get greater awareness of this? Well, it's really funny. The, uh, the scenario you put together in one of your questions about the rogue project really reminded yeah. me of the Phoenix project. Yeah. Book. Okay. Sure. Because the Phoenix project was a rogue project to try to fix the organization's construct. Yeah. And they use technology and organizational structure and role clarity and, training and all those things to build this repeatable lean DevOps model to the, to deliver software. Yeah. So when you were talking about that, I was kind of in my head chuckling like, Oh, that's one of my favorite books. Okay. So um, the Phoenix and, project is another <laughs> good source then. <laughs> yep. Any others? Yeah. And no, uh, I think like I chose to go with Ackman's training because every other enterprise architecture framework is kind of based on the foundations of it. And okay. he partners with TOGAF and also like the federal government enterprise architecture framework. So I felt like if I understood that, I could understand them all. And that's my, you know, path of least resistance to school as it's always been. Okay. You know, if I can understand everything with one class, I'm going to do that one. So to try to learn everything. <laughs> all right, cool. So I'll make sure to include links to that too. What if the folks want to get in touch with you to ask you more questions about this? Yeah. Email still Ross.Berman at leadingagile.com. And then I think the LinkedIn LinkedIn's a good way to get on a hold of me. I'm, I'm there uh, as well. So uh, there's like the bio page on our website. Yep. I'll make sure to include a link to that in the show notes. Cool. Um, dude, thanks a lot for doing this. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Dave. I appreciate the time. 